man, I don't know about you, but I just can't wait to get around the throne room. Amen? Because, I don't know, I could worship all day long. I just love, love to worship. Love to sing praises to His name. And every time I say a phrase, I think of another song, and I'm not going to indulge. I'm going to hold back. <laughs> but praise God. Can you just look to somebody and say, you're at the right place at the right time. Amen. It's not an accident that you're here. You're here because God allowed you to be here today. He drew, he drew you to this place. And there's purpose behind that. I'm thankful that you're here. Good to have the Armstrongs visiting with us. Good to have the Catechus, if I say that correctly, hopefully. Ha slaughtered it, sorry. Have you guys with us? Um, uh, I know that you guys don't, you know, New Jersey and, and New York don't cooperate too well together, but we got some New Jerseyans in here. I mean, more, more Jerseys? Oh, Lord, we got more Jer hey, Guys, I'm sorry. But somebody blurred the lines up there somewhere. I'm sorry. But we are glad you guys are here. Amen. Amen. How many know that we're just setting atmosphere? Right? The Lord wants us to experience and have revival. Right? Isn't that what we've been praying for? Revival? And I believe that just a few weeks ago there was a spark set. And there was um, the imagery of even a birthing of revival that took place and it was so powerful and, and it has been on my heart and been on my mind that God wants to birth something in us. God wants to move once again, amen? And, and, and this morning, if I feel like the cobwebs are a little there this morning, just, you know, uh, I got out of practice of preaching last week. I preached, you know, Kim just didn't listen. But anyway, <laughs> but I am thankful to be right here this morning with you guys, and, and I believe that God wants us to have revival. And, and when I think about that, I think about what is revival? What does that look like? Because, you know, some people get in the mindset that the revival, that's just a shout, that's just the excitement, that's just the zeal, you know? Man, the atmosphere is charged, and people are just jumping and shouting, and people are just dancing before the Lord, and woo! Come on, somebody. It's revival. It was good, it's great, it's amazing. But I believe that revival is something deeper than just a shout. It's something, it's something more than just a specific song. It's something more than just a momentary bliss in the presence of God. It's something profound that God wants us to be revived to. He wants us to be resuscitated to. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so when I think about revival, I think about uh, revival as the resuscitation of our relationship with God. It is it is going back to your first love. Come on, somebody. I mean, I remember in the dating scene. I only dated one person. 26 years later, we're still dating. Come on, somebody. Amen. But you know, you wanted, and, and I'm not the romantic, Gene. I'm just, I'm sorry. I, I'm not the roses type. I try, but thank God he put me with a practical woman that didn't appreciate roses anyway. She'd rather have something that was 
time spent, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, there is a sense of that you want the atmosphere to be set, right? You want things to look good. You try to at least comb your hair, brush your teeth, dress in something appropriate that makes you look good. You want to be attractive. Come on, somebody. And so you want to set the atmosphere. You want to have the mood set right. I mean, what is the atmosphere setting thing that happens in the spiritual realm that brings us intimacy in, in our spirituality? And that is worship. Worship is the atmosphere adjuster. It kind of sets the tune or the tone for us as we draw closer to the Lord. Worship. But then we also understand that we have to have the right mood. What is the mood? Well, to me, it's clean hands and a clean heart. Come on. It's knowing that I've dressed up and I've set the mood because when I come out with my hair all slicked back and I'm looking good, you know, I'm saying, I'm happy to be with you. Come on. I cleaned up. I set the mood, right? Some of y'all can clean you up, but you can't take you out, right? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> but then there's a sense of desire, right? Because you enjoy being with that person. There's a desire. And the Word of God tells us that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled, right? And so... We are here wanting this revival. We're wanting to resuscitate our relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, somebody needs to get desirable. Come on. Somebody needs to get stirred up. Somebody needs to have a desire for him. Somebody needs to worship God to set the atmosphere. Somebody needs to clean your hands and clean your heart and get your mindset right because we want to be attractive to him because he's already attractive to us. And he said, if you'll seek me and find me, you'll search me with all of your heart, right? We need to seek the face of God and look for him because he will be found by us. Amen. Amen. We want revival. But you know, sometimes we think of revival as just like I said, the, the fringes and the frills and all that stuff, but it is our relationship with God. It is the intimacy that we have with the creator of the world who loves us so much that he was able to spend time personally. He created you, though you're a spot on this big old earth, he still is so intimate that he knows the very number of hair on your head and he wants to walk with you in the cool of the day. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to experience his heart and his passion. And we need a resuscitation of a relationship with God, but we also need a renewed dedication of the holiness of God. See, now that's, that's a dirty word today, right? Holiness, because we don't understand what holiness means. We've equated holiness with just a, a hairdo full of bobby pins and a long dress and a do's and don'ts list, and holiness has nothing to do with those things. Holiness is a sanctified heart. It is a heart that is separated for God. It is a heart that says, I want to be holy because we have forgotten the word of God that says, be holy for I am holy. We've forgotten the word of God that says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. There has to be an adjustment in us to say, Lord, we want to be consecrated. God, we want to be set apart. We're too, we're too busy trying to be conformed to the world, but God, set us apart, renew our mind, help us to be fresh and anointed so that when we walk in the presence of God, just like Esther, when she walked in the presence of the king had prepared herself with an anointment of God to be separated so that she was a sweet-smelling savor in his presence. God, help us. We want revival, but do we want the relationship and the cost of that relationship? Do we really want to be resuscitated into a relationship that may cost us something? Do we really want to walk in the purity of holiness so that we can see his manifest presence in our life? We want revival. But we also understand that revival is the recollection of the fear of God. 
And I believe that you see our society and the generation that has come, uh, come up under us even now has lost the fear of God. And really, I don't judge them or, or, or put the weight of their lack of fear of God on them personally because I believe the church has done an, did an injustice. Because we have made church optional. We've made church that it's just when we feel like it or when we want to or when we don't have a football game or when we don't have this or we don't have that, we'll go to church and we've made it optional. But whatever happened to God being first? Whatever happened to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Whatever happened to resuscitating the fear of God in our life to know that he is God and everything else will pass away. Everything else will go away, but the glory and the King of kings will stand forever and it is him alone that we should worship. It is him alone that we should serve. It is him alone that we surrender to. We need a revival of understanding of the fear of God. We need a recommitment. Revival is a recommitment to the work of God. I just talking to a pastor the other day and, and, and multiple pastors across in a, in a district overseers meeting across the, the state of Tennessee, 42 pastors online. And their struggle is they can't find laborers. You think this is just a McDonald's problem. Come on. You think this is just a Burger King problem or a grocery store problem or whatever problem, but look, this is a problem, a spiritual problem in the body of Christ. Because there's, there's children that need to be ministered to. There's young people that need to be ministered to. There's, there's people that need to be cared for in the body of Christ. And, and we have, as if we have forgotten the word of God in Acts chapter 2, because when the power of the Holy Spirit fell, it fell for a purpose. Not for us to get our goosebumps and not for us to shout and dance, but it, it fails so that we could be the active participants in the work of God, the kingdom of God. Amen. I mean, we say, God, we want your presence with us, and we walk around saying, oh, God's with me. But you know when the promise came, it says, when he says, lo, I will be with you until the end of the age, it was attached to those who were doing the work of God. We see that in Matthew 28. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. The promise is attached to those who are equipping and doing the work of ministry. God's looking for active participants to do the work of God. We say we want revival, but are we willing to pay the cost? Are we willing to, to really get in? We all. Yeah. It does say Church of God, I'm just making sure. God help us. The title, if I had a title, would be Birthing and Guarding Revival. Birthing and Guarding Revival. Look, I have been to conference after conference. I've been to conferences on hospitality, conferences on leadership, conferences on discipleship, conferences on worship. I've sat on boards. I'm on, presently sitting on three different nonprofit boards and I've sat on the executive committee for the Church of God in Central America, uh, for Honduras, and, and I hear all these great teachings. 
All these wonderful ideas and wonderful plans and it's driven in excellence, excellence, excellence. Everything has to be done in excellence. But I think that we've majored in the frivolous and we forgot to major in the favor of God. We, we get so caught up in, well, is this person doing this? Is this person doing that? Oh, have we done this? And we done? Look, if, if we can't get this right, if we can't get unified in worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords because there is only one God, there's only one spirit, there's only one Lord, there's only one baptism, there's only one church, and we have to be a part of doing the thing that, that we're called to do, and that is to give worth and value and worship to him. That is revival, folks. And, 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 and I have to tell you, it doesn't start when you enter the doors of the church and you come to church and say, well, I hope that, that, I hope that Megan can put her pom-poms on and, 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 and get me excited. Worship starts at your home. It starts when you're driving down the road. I love the theme of our, our youth group. Read and pray and do it every day. Because you have to read the word of God. If you want to know him, you have to read his word. If you want to be intimate with him, you have to communicate with him. It's called prayer. Try it. It's good. And it can't just be a monthly experience. It can't just be a weekly moment where you come in and you join everybody else in a corporate moment of prayer. It has to be intimate in your homes, in your, in your closet, in your hideaways place because it is, the, it is the secret place in which God gives revelation. It is in the secret place that we find the anointing of God to give us the endurance to be able to make it every single day. We need intimacy with God. I didn't even go... Sorry, I'm still in the introduction. Amen? God, help us to revive the depths of the relationship that you want us to have. Lord, I, man, I hear Leonard Ravenhill. How many have ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill? I hear him talk of, of experiences as in a jail cell in Britain where a priest was coming to give the last rites to a, a man sitting in that prison who, who, who was literally about to die. And he looked at the priest who came. He said, if I believed the words that you're telling me are true. You're telling me about the Son of God. You're telling me about the Savior. You're telling me that, that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're telling me that he can cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. You're telling me these things. He said, if I believe this message that you're telling me, I would not hesitate to crawl on my hands and knees over broken glass to get to whoever I could get to because it is that powerful and yet, too many of us 
We'll use every single excuse that we can to keep from getting to the house of God or into the kingdom of God or doing the work of God. And yet, it is the most powerful message that we could ever have. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God to bring healing. It is the power of God to bring deliverance. It is the power of God to transform the world. And we have kept it in a bottle, poked down so that nobody can see it, but only our little selves in our hideaway places God's looking for somebody who will get out and declare the word of God. That is revival. That is revival. That is the transformation of the body of Christ. That is what we need. Look. I mean, mm. God help us. Because we get so distracted on the little things. And we're so, we're so alert to the frivolous. And yet there's the big picture. I mean, when something frivolous comes, can you remind yourself, I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not a personal attack against me. Because if this, if this is an attack at all, it's against the plan of God, and I'm not going to give in to the frivolous. Can we be reminded that I'm going to do what I can as the Word of God tells me, that to live at peace with all men as it pertains to me? In other words, I'm not going to continue in it. I'm not going to build the drama. I'm going to say, oh, you know what, I don't know what's going on in their life. They're having a bad day or what's going on but I'm going to do my best to live at peace with all men because I know that the kingdom of God is more important than the frivolous. God, help us to have a mindset that we will not be hindered and we will not be hampered. The word of God says, what has hindered you? I mean, we want revival, but what has hindered us from drawing near? What has hindered us from experiencing this magnificent presence and power of God. God help us, right? Revelation chapter 12, and I know that I am not following this as a theological end times message, but, but I'm overlaying this with the symbolisms that will help us to understand revival and how to guard revival. In verse 1, of chapter 12, and a great sign appeared in heaven and a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars and she was, she was with child and, the, and she cried aloud or travailed, some versions may say, being in labor and in pain to give birth. I believe God is birthing something. Amen? Every great move of God has birth pains. There's a, a preparation that's made. I remember when our first was born. Now she's 22. How could that be? Crazy. 22. But I remember when, when our first, numero uno, el primero, how glorious, how awesome. We're going to have a baby. Woo! We prepared the room. We bought the crib months in advance. We 
decorated. We did all of that. We had shower after shower after shower. We had more things than we knew what to do with. That kid had more outfits than she could wear in three years and not have to wear the same one. Crazy. We prepared. But how much do we prepare for the birthing of what God wants to do in our life? How much time do we spend preparing the vessel for God? It's a preparation of heart. It's a preparation of mind. Because we, we want to, the room to be ready, right? We want the room to be prepared to experience the presence and power of God. We, we want to be obedient so that when he comes, not only do we recognize him, but we're willing to obey whatever he says do. There's so many people who, who, who declare that they are ready, but yet are they willing to let go of anything God says let go of? Are they willing to let loose of idealisms that they've held for many years? Are they willing to let loose that God can move in a different way? Come on. We've gotten so caught up in this is the way that God moved. And so therefore, if he doesn't move in this way, then I'm not sure if I believe it's God. But does not God, is not God's ways higher than our ways? His thoughts above our thoughts. If God chooses to do something different, then let him be God. Amen? Let him be God. Let him do his work in us. You know, something that um, we found, Kim found, I just happened to be the one that she hooked the leash to and walked with her. But she found that if she walked more during pregnancy, that the labor was easier. Right? See, there's some of us that want to sit back and act like we're eating for two. And we get slothful. And we get where it's laborsome's harder and worse. But if we'll be active in our process, it becomes easier. And the closer we get to that moment, yes, the pain may be more intense. But we know when we have this idea that I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on trucking. I'm going to keep on being healthy. I'm going to keep on getting exercise. I'm going to keep on doing my best to be spiritually in tune and ready for when that time comes because I want to know that I know that he's going to come and he's going to come in power and he's going to come quick. Amen? Isn't that how the word of God says he would come? In the twinkling of an eye. Come on. Just like that. Let it be, Jesus. Let it be, Jesus. Amen. But you know, there, there's some who walk around who, who call themselves spiritual, but they're just having Braxton Hicks. Some of y'all men scratching your head saying, what is that? Having false labor pains, right? We want to know that the pain is worth it, right? I mean, when you look at the word... When you look at, in the Spanish language, it says, vale la pena. Vale la pena. Does anybody know Spanish in here? I need a translator. I need a translator. Speaking in tongues up in here. Vale la pena. It, 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 it's a phrase that means it's worth it. It's a phrase that means it's worth it. But yet, it, those words do not say worth it. The phrase says, 
Value the pain. Value, there's value in the pain. Pana means pain or distress or suffering or struggle. Let me tell you something. When we're in the process of drawing near to God, there's going to be some pain because there's a labor, right? It's not a sit back, be slothful. There's a laborsome view that we have to do in the process of birthing what God wants us to birth. It's an active participation. It is something that we will have to do, but there's pain in the process. But vale la pena. Praise God, it is worth it. It's worth it. I remember an old song, I think McCamey sang it. How many of y'all know McCamey's? About three of y'all. It'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of these trials, we'll hear Jesus call. Come on, right? Because it'll be worth it after all. I know that's my southern gospel. Love it, don't you? I love it. It'll be worth it. But you know, we have to realize that Yes, this might be a two-parter. We have to realize that, that being in labor and giving birth, yes, may cost us something. It may, it may be laborsome. It may be painful. But the joy of what is coming is more important than what the process feels like. Come on. But we have to be ready and understand that the enemy doesn't like what we're going through. The enemy doesn't want us to accomplish what God is wanting to do. We see that because in the very next verses, we see verse 12, sorry, verse 2, verse 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and his heads were seven, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them onto the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth that he might devour the child. Now we can go into the depths of the meanings of all of that. We can see that the woman is probably Israel. The Catholic church would say she's Mary. Some would say she's the church, but, but the church doesn't give birth to Jesus. Jesus gives birth to the church, so we know it's not the church. It's, it's Israel that it's talking about. We can go into all of that. We can go into the fact that this is, this is absolutely the definition of Satan, how he deceived a third of the angels of heaven, how he was cast down. We can see all of that. But what I want us to grab a hold of is that that the enemy wants to devour what we're trying to birth. The enemy wants to hinder what we're trying to accomplish because he knows that if we gain the confidence and the ability and we see forth the plan that God is trying to perpetuate out of us, then, then he knows that we will be powerful and that we'll be unstoppable because we are the people and the, and the plan and the power of God. There was an, an ancient book called the, the Art of War. Any of y'all heard of the Art of War? I mean, what, what was amazing to me is that the Art of War was actually written in 500 B.C. It wasn't a, a modern-day book. And, and, and to think of some of the things that it's even used in today's 
art of war out of a book that's from 500 B.C. But here's something that he said. Sun T-Z-U, ever how you pronounce that? Know your enemy before you go into battle. He says, for if you know your enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you'll also suffer defeat. I'm not here to tell you that you need to get into some satanic book and study Satanism, but I'm telling you that you need to get into the Word of God and understand the schemes of the enemy. Just as much as you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know Him in all His glory and all His power, all, but we also need to understand that the enemy's schemes or tactics are trying to keep us and deceive us from the things that God has in store for us. And when I see and think of this enemy, I think of his rage. The color of red symbolizes rage and anger. And I think of the rage that he has. And it reminds me of Psalms chapter 2. Why do the nations rage? Why does he rage? Lost authority? Lost position? I mean, this is Satan who literally has been kicked out of heaven. He's been taken from his position of authority. He was in the presence of God, reflecting the glory of God, commanding and declaring the things of God, and yet, because of his, fry, because of his pride, he lost his authority, he lost his position, and he was humiliated. When I think of the majority of struggles that happen in religiosity today, it's because people have lost their authority, they've lost their position, and they feel humiliated. Isn't that ironic? That is the scheme of the enemy. The enemy wants you to feel like you have lost your position, but guess what? We're all on the same team. We're all going for the same direction. If you have lost authority, if you've lost position, the only person that can make you feel that way is the enemy because the enemy wants you to feel what he's felt and he wants you to be offended because of what he felt. Amen. Mm. God help us to realize that everything we do for the glory of you. And Lord, help us to grasp a hold of everything that is accomplished is not a pat on our back, but it's to bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, help us to recognize that the enemy wants us to feel the same things he felt. He wants us to be humiliated. But Lord, also help us to grasp hold of that the authority that we have is not our own. It is your authority. The position that we, that we ascertain is not because of anything we've done. It's because of what you've done in us. 
And Lord, if anything brings humiliation to us, let us praise you because we understand that when we are humbled before you, then you can raise us up into what position and what plan and what authority and what power you want us to have because we are your people and not anybody else's, God. The enemy's still using his rage. He's using his re-imaging. Come on. Because if the enemy can get you, de- if he can get you deceived, look, did, did, did the Lord really say that? Go back to Genesis chapter 3, right? Did the Lord really say that you can't eat of a certain fruit? He brings doubt. If you hear somebody say, did the pastor really say that? Say, so, whoa, wait a minute. That sounds just like the slick tongue that I've heard in the Bible. I, I, wait a minute. Let, let's just go. Let's go to the pastor and ask him. Come on. The enemy does it this way. He can, he can do it without words. Hmm. Hmm. Just to bring doubt. Just to bring an inkling of, I'm not sure if that's right. Did God really say that? We have to be careful because he's repackaging things in different and new manners just to bring division and doubt and fear. And if we are on the verge of revival, how much more is he going to try to do that? Did, did, did 26 young people really receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Huh? Did that really happen? Come on. I mean, that's what the enemy wants to plant. But if we take away what God has done, then we bring doubts in the very ones who received, and then we become the stumbling blocks for them to grow, and then we become the ones who bring seeds of doubt and fear, and we become the tool of the enemy. May God forgive us, and may God help us that we will be ones who encourage the plan of God instead of squelching the plan of God. Amen. I mean, look. The enemy wants to bring revenge and retaliation. And I'm closing. Y'all better get up here. Somebody's crock pot's boiling. I can feel it. (laughs) He wants to bring revenge and retaliation. Look, the enemy wants to stop everything that resembles the capacity that he lost. Some say steal, kill, and destroy. Isn't that what the Bible says? He came to steal, kill, and destroy. I wrote down three words. Abandon, abort, and abolish. Because the fact is, is that there's too many people in, in, the, in the body of Christ who've abandoned their gift. Who've abandoned the, the position that God has placed them in. Who have said, well, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I'm too old, I don't want to do this anymore. They've abandoned it, but yet they call it stealing. Oh, yes, the enemy can take what you've abandoned, but that's not stealing. You just gave it over to him. We've abandoned the arena that God has given us. We've abandoned the place of God's purpose in our life. The place where we found fulfillment, the place where we found excitement, we've abandoned. We say, well, the devil stole that from me. No, no, no. When did you step out? 
And if it was God's season for you to step out, I'm not trying to condemn you in that purpose, but who have you prepared and who have you discipled and who have you equipped to take your place? Don't abandon something that you haven't prepared somebody to step in for you. Come on. Abandon, abort, and abolish. The fact is, is that the enemy was standing there in verse 4, ready to devour the child that was being born. Look, this is not something new. I mean, the enemy's been trying to abort the plan of God for years. He tried to kill Moses, right? And one in which the lineage of God would come through. He tried to abort through Herod, Jesus, because he wanted to trash the plan. And we see that abortion is rampant. Millions of babies losing their life every year, even today. The next generation of prophets, the next generation of preachers, the next generation of the people of God, the enemy is in an all-out onslaught to attack the body of Christ. But this is what the enemy doesn't, this is what God doesn't need. He doesn't need you to abort the plan before you get there. We already have somebody trying to abort us, if you will. We already have someone who wants to to be there right when that moment happens and right when the explosion of the presence of God, right when that's being birthed, the enemy's there saying, trying to kill it and trying to squelch it. And for fear of what may, it may cost and for fear of what processes that may take, some people pull the plug and the parachute pops out and they never make it to the destination. Oh, they enjoy watching everybody else. They enjoy seeing so-and-so come down and experience God. And whoa, man, what a great service. And they go home just the same way that they came. They're satisfied with revival as long as it doesn't impact them. You ready? I don't remember what I said. <laughs> They're satisfied with revival as long as it doesn't impact them. It's okay. Let the young people get filled up. Woo! And man, guys, you make me so happy. but I don't want to change anything. I'm pretty happy. Complacency looks good on me these days. God help us. Oh, for the days that not a chair was, was filled because they were all at the altar seeking the face of God. Oh, for the days of the longing 
to see saints and sinners being touched by the presence of God. Oh, for the days where revival hit so strong, we wasn't worried about mascara. We wasn't worried about what anybody thought. We wasn't worried about what time we left. We wasn't worried about anything of the apparatuses that are going on around us. All we know is, is we want God. It has to start with us individually. I believe that there are groups within a church that can get together and spark revival in all of us, but it still has to spark somebody. It still has to light your fire. Nobody can light your fire for you. It still has to be you who says, I want this so much that I'm willing to sacrifice. I, I didn't even get to, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and thank you for singing that song earlier. But there's the last part of that verse says, they, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life so much to shrink back from death. In other words, even in the face of death, they still were on fire for God. Are we to that place? Because if we want to overcome, yes, the blood of the lamb has redeemed us. Those who have trusted in the Lord and those who've accepted him as personal savior, you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And many of you, I have heard personally some of your testimony and, and I know, whoa, wow. God has really done something in you. But are we truly willing to self-sacrifice to say, Lord, it's not about me feeling good. It's not about getting my personal needs met all the time. It's about, are you being exalted in my life? Are you at work in me? Is my life a representation of what you want it to be in this world right now? Do the people I work with, the people I go to school with, do they know who you are just because of the way I live? That's what it's about. It's about not backing down. It's about saying, Lord, I want revival at whatever the cost. Lord, I want personal relationship. I want holiness. I want, I want the fear of the Lord to be so evident in my life that I'm not willing to let anything hinder that in my life. I don't care about the drama. I don't care about all of the frills and thrills. I just want you, God. If somebody doesn't shake my hand when I come in, that's all right. I just want God. If, if, if they sung off tune, that's all right. I just want God. If it was too hot or too cold, that's all right. I just want God. Because it's not about all the, th the frills and thrills. Look, we, we want to do all that stuff. But if we don't get this right, what are we leading people to? You can have the best 
hospitality team in the world. They can show you so friendly, the wonderful place. But what are we inviting them to if it's not to Him? Because that's what it's all about. How many want revival? I want revival. I want that kind of revival that's transformative, that pushes, pushes us past the self-servingness, but gets us to the place where there's nothing going to hinder me from getting into the presence of God. I got to have it. I, don't, I can't be satisfied by anything else. And I'm going to push past all of the flaws of humanity. I'm going to push past all of the miscommunications. And I'm going to focus in on the one who communicates very clearly, I am the Lord your God. Worship me and worship me only. Is that your desire this morning? I know that some may have concerns of coming to an altar, but my encouragement to you right now, if you want to come to this altar, let's seek the face of God. If you want to make your seat an altar, let's seek the face of God. If you're at home right now, find a place and seek the face of God. Let's let revival start in us. Amen. They're going to sing this song. And as they're singing this song, if you want to make a place here or where you are, can we ask God to forgive us and to allow Him to birth something in us? Go ahead, sister. As I worship your majesty, Jesus. I worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything, all that I am is yours, as I worship your majesty. Worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything. All that I am is yours as I worship your majesty. I worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything. Oh. 
praying. I pray that in this house, God, Lord, that, that we'll make this a house of prayer, a house, a place where people can come and interact and experience your presence. Lord, I pray, God, that, that you will be the leader of this house. When I think of Lord, I think of leader, master, savior. And I ask you, God, to recapitulate this house, rehead it, that you become the head of this house, that you become the leader that directs every step that we take. And Lord, help us as the body be connected together to hear your voice to walk in step and in line with the ordered steps that you have prepared for us. Lord, help us to revive and resuscitate our relationship to the depths that you would desire it to be, God. Lord, let us not limit or hinder, but Lord, let us draw near. Let us be willing to relinquish anything that would keep us from experiencing the depths of our relationship with you, God. And Lord, I pray that as we are so close, as, as David said, I'm the apple of your eye. When I think of being so close to you that I could see my reflection in your eye, God, I pray that I'm willing in the fear of the Lord because that is the beginning of wisdom, that, I, that I'm willing to obey whatever it is that you say, knowing the heart and the passion and compassion that you have. God, stir us. Lord, let revival be stirred in our homes. Let there be such a, an anointing that is taking place in our homes that, Lord, we just can't get enough, God. Lord, help us to put you first, above it all, in front of it all, before it all. Let you be number one in our home, in our heart, in our work, in our church, in everything we do. God, we need you, Jesus for a world in crisis. We need a church that is surrendered to the Christ. We, we're yours, Jesus. We're yours.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this sweet, sweet spirit that we fill this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we worship you. Can you just raise your hands right now? Can we worship? Lord, we just worship you, Jesus. We raise our hands as a sign of surrender to you, God, to say, Lord, we want more of you. And Lord, in surrendering, we say, God, I am yours. Your word tells us that we've been bought with a price. And Lord, we surrender to you, Jesus. We stop running. And we say, here we are, Lord, we're yours. <laughs> Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. I just really believe that the Lord is bringing revelation to a lot of you. God is identifying things even in you right now that, that you know you have to let go of. He's speaking to you right now things that you're going to have to, to turn over to Him. He's giving direction. He's opening eyes, even now, in this room, revelation is coming. Receive that word, receive that. Don't shun it, don't, don't, don't hinder it. Open heart to what he's speaking. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Curses for my family. Since that day, we've been attacked. We left, and a few days later, 
we were headed to Georgia to, to go with my dad to celebrate the passing and, or the anniversary of the passing of his wife who had passed away almost a year ago. It was her birthday, but the day that we was leaving, I received a phone call from my mom. And she had been to the doctor and she hadn't told us. And a generational curse that came up, the curse of cancer. I was in line to get Mackenzie, and as my mom's sitting here telling me, she had maybe five minutes to get everything out. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, God, I buried this. And I'm just processing everything, trying to keep it together. And Mackenzie gets in the car. I hang up with mom. We begin to drive to Chattanooga to meet dad. And we turn the curve, and as we turn the curve, I look over and I see the hospital where Linda passed, and I just I lose it. Because you know the enemy likes to sit things in your path to remind you of things and to try to just break you down. See, Linda had breast cancer. Linda had a liver disease. And so I go ahead and I share with Mackenzie what's going on because she's like, mom's losing it. I'm sure she's sitting in the back thinking, what's going on with mom? And we're very transparent with Mackenzie. We don't hide things. And in the back of my mind, God keeps saying, you buried those curses. We go ahead and we go and we leave. And when it comes to things in my family with my dad and my mom, because my parents, of course, are divorced, we keep it simple. I went ahead and I told my dad, and my dad said he'd be praying. We went ahead and we went to Georgia. And I was with Linda's family, and of course, it's just constant in my face things. And, and there's been some things in the past that I've said that the enemy brought up to me. Moment that, that my mom called it, that I'd regret it. And because there's some hurt. But then we came home and I went outside. And mind you, when I left, my flowers were looking horrible. And God speaks to me through my flowers. You, some of you who grow things and plant and stuff, maybe you might understand this, but God speaks to me through my flowers sometimes. And when I left, my plants were looking terrible. I mean, they were dying. Because this year I've been like, I'm not going to water my stuff. I'm just going to let natural water take care of it. Because I thought last year maybe the chlorine was killing my stuff. And so I walk outside and it's not time. And the flowers that had died had brought forth new life. My hydrangeas had new blooms and they were beautiful. And I had just cut them when I left. No rain while I was gone. One of my lilies had a new flower and it was completely dead when I left. looking at that. God spoke to me and he said, Amber, just as I 
off to these flowers. I will bring you off to your mom. I am a way maker. Remember what I spoke to you. I am a way maker. So I took the time off. And mind you, I have a good friend that works for the cancer center. And she had already called me. And she had already spoken with me. And she had already told me, Amber, this is very suspicious. We need to get her in. If there's a problem with scheduling, I'll, I'll take care of it. Let me know. We go in and... As I'm sitting there in the lobby and my mom goes back, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, you are the way maker. Let your will be done. I'm a control freak. It's something I struggle with. I have major anxiety issues. That's probably my biggest fault. They told us we'd get the results either Friday or Monday. On Friday, we hadn't heard anything. And I told Jay, I said, Jay, I, I can't do this. I, I can't go a whole weekend not knowing I need, I need an answer. And I was like, but I, I don't want to call Susan. I said, I don't want to call Susan and ask Susan to find something out. I'm not going to do that. And so I left. And Kenzie and I were at the grocery store. Susan calls me and she goes, have you talked to your mom? And of course the enemy and my anxiety, my heart just sinks. And I go, oh God, she's calling me to prepare me. And I go, no, why? And she says, she's benign, there's no cancer. Wash your hands, I agree. Be smart. 
heart. Yes. But he's a way maker. And God is not done with this body of Christ. He is birthing something. And it's going to be amazing. I mean, that's your experience the last few weeks. Come on. It's been, it's been rough. I got a call from my mom last week. She had to be rushed to the hospital, 99% blockage. Did two stints. This week, she had to go back, two more stints, 95% blockage. I said, you know what? This, is a, this ain't right. <laughs> but you know what? God is a way maker. Some of you are struggling with family members who are sick. Some of you are struggling with various situations that I just want you to know God is on the move. He's at work. Don't give up. Let's keep on. Let's keep a stirring. Let's come with an expectation. This week, prepare your hearts for next week. Every day, just spend some time with the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't know what you've got planned, but I'm going expecting because I believe God is going to move. Tonight, we have our first um, Sunday night service. We're going to do that once a month. It's every fourth Sunday. So this is the fourth Sunday, 22nd. And we're going to come and have a good time. We're going to come worship God. Uh, it'll be a little more on the traditional style. Um, but... It's still going to be a great time of worship. We're going to still have a good time in the Lord. I want you to come. Let's experience God. I have no idea what I'm preaching tonight. But God does. He does. I'm just going to be obedient. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this stirring today. I thank you, Lord, for challenging me with this word over this week. And Lord, I thank you, God, for a people, a remnant of folks who are super sincere, who want to be sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit, who want to be absolutely obedient when you speak. And I pray, God, that as we tune our ears to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church today, God, that when you speak, we become obedient. And the more that we find ourselves walking in the obedience, the more I believe you will speak. And I pray, Lord, that there's going to be a, a move amongst our folks that we're going to see healings. We're going to see some supernatural things taking place, not because of who we are, but because of the revival that is stirred in individuals in this church. I'm believing for deliverance. I'm believing, God, that CR was not brought here just to be a bunch of groups, but I believe there's going to be some absolute miraculous healing emotionally, spiritually, physically taking place, not only in those groups, but in this church. I believe you, God. And I'm trusting you, Jesus. Have your way in this place. Lord, may we walk in the blessings that we receive. And may we be a blessing to others. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love yous. For y'all from New York, that's how we said right here. Love yous. No, that's really not how we say it. We love you guys. So thankful for you all. Lord willing, see you tonight, if not next Sunday.